Welcome in to Outkick the Show. Got a piece of ice caught in my tooth. That wasn't ideal. Hope all of you are having a fantastic Thursday, wherever you may be across this great country or this great land. Um, I don't know if my kids are ever going to go back to school. And this time it's not because of COVID. It doesn't usually happen that it snows and the snow is all still here a week later. But my youngest is out. I don't know. I may get a text message during this show about my two other kids and whether their school is going to be open. Uh, this is never-ending snowfall. Uh, never. I mean, I don't know how you people in the North do it. It's been cold. It's been under uh, below freezing for like the last week. This is not my usual experience of the winter. I am ready for back to at least 50-degree weather uh, in the South. But uh, it has been chaos here. As a reminder, if you hear kids screaming, everything is fine. They are probably just playing video games because school is not yet uh, open. All right. Uh, We got a bunch of different stories that I want to hit today. But I'm going to start off right off the top giving you all my gambling picks. You can go read my analysis, various student analysis as always. You can go hear the discussion with Kelly Stewart, a.k.a. Kelly in Vegas on the fade. Uh, I believe... Texans are going to cover a big number against the Ravens, and I like the under. This is in the order that the NFL divisional round playoff games are going to be played. I'll talk about them again tomorrow. Packers at the 49ers. I like the 49ers to cover the number. Bucks plus six and a half at the Lions. I like the Bucks plus the points and the under. This is yesterday's numbers, by the way. I haven't checked to see what today's numbers are. Uh, the under on that one as well. And I like the Bills. Minus two and a half against the Chiefs in what is the signature game of the weekend. I believe Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills are finally going to get their revenge over Patrick Mahomes. Very first playoff game Patrick Mahomes will ever play on the road. Not counting, obviously, the neutral site locations of the Super Bowl. Uh, That one is certainly worth uh, paying attention to. So we got a bunch of stories out there. Not a huge uh, number of great sports stories in general, I would say. Although, I want to make sure that I mention this. Uh, Mike McCarthy is going to be back with the Cowboys. Wrong decision by the Dallas Cowboys. Now was the time to make a decision to move on with a new coach. Jerry Jones owns the team. He gets to decide who works there. He gets to decide who is employed. Uh, You've got Dak Prescott, who you gave over $100 million to, effectively locked in for another couple of years. To me, given the fact that you can't move on from Dak unless you go and find somebody like Dak, right, a third or fourth round draft pick that ends up coming in uh, based on an injury as Dak Prescott did for Tony Romo and takes the reins and does a fabulous job with uh, the Dallas Cowboys, wins the job like... Uh, Dak Prescott did against Tony Romo. If, unless that happens, I'd put a very small chance of that happening. Dak Prescott gets hurt. There's a young, virtually no-cost rookie who's there that plays phenomenally well. I think you have to give Dak a new head coach. And I would have gone and got Bill Belichick. I would have tried to call Nick Saban. I would have certainly talked to Mike Vrabel. Somebody that could change the culture and the way that the conversations are taking place inside of that building, I think that Jerry Jones has made a bad decision by sticking with Mike McCarthy. A part of me thinks this is based on Jerry's age. Cowboys have been cursed. 
ever since uh, the, the last Barry Switzer Super Bowl. Uh, Jerry Jones won, what did he win? Three Super Bowls really relatively quickly and easily. Decades since, he hasn't been able to put together a Super Bowl champion. And worse than that, the Cowboys have typically fallen fat, flat, on, uh, fat, <laughs> flat on their faces and have not had success when they actually get to the postseason. Uh, so, I think it's the wrong choice. I think it's an easy choice to move on. I don't think that Mike McCarthy is so skilled that somehow you are losing out in a big way by replacing him. I think Jerry Jones made the wrong decision there. Uh, secondary story here that I'm, that I'm tracking. I shared this on my Twitter feed. Uh, I hope that a lot of you watched it. We may even be able to clip off a shorter version of this and share it. Uh, but Sean Strickland, who is a UFC champion, was quizzed by a, I'm assuming, left-wing sports media member and he absolutely obliterated that sports media member. That is the kind of, to me, way that you need to handle stories in the media. I think you should go directly after the reporters who you believe are going to write stories that are very negative to you and own them face-to-face in that interaction. I give credit. It's interesting. Really, only the UFC and boxing are individual athletes able to stand up to members of media and actually let them have it. Partly that's their individual athletes and they're not a part of teams. I think it's also, this is credit, I think it's a credit to Dana White and the culture that he has created in the UFC. Dana White has uh, allowed and permitted and encouraged all of his athletes to let their personality shine and to say exactly what they think. And I believe that authenticity translates when it comes to the number of people out there who are UFC fans because in an era when it can feel like many different people in the public eye, politicians, movie stars, musicians, athletes, people in prominent positions, media figures, are inauthentic and not giving you the real reflection of what they are like in the real world I believe that is one reason why UFC has cut through the noise. Uh, And I give credit uh, to Sean Strickland for being able to stand up. And I would just say to other media outlets, or sorry, other leagues, certainly media outlets, but other leagues, what are you afraid of? Why shouldn't your athletes be able to go after media members just like Sean Strickland did? We've seen it happen a few times because I think I've shared it with tennis players, occasionally with a coach, because coaches, I think, feel more emboldened. Certainly owners could do it. Uh, Why not? Why not really go after media when you feel like they are presenting unfair versions of your story and seeking to make their opinion the story? Here's what I always say. I have no issue whatsoever with anybody out there that works in media and wants to write an opinion column saying, I believe X and Y is wrong, right? Whatever it is under the sun. Be something I agree with or something I disagree with. What I think is fundamentally uh, inauthentic and uh, and rooted in, in falsehood is this idea of some people are saying what's happening is offensive. And then you go on to social media 
and you find like three or four people that are upset about something and you use that as the justification for your entire article, right? Choice is made. I saw it today. Reba McIntyre, I think it's Reba McIntyre. Reba McIntyre is going to sing the national anthem. I guarantee you, if you go on X right now, if you go on Twitter, there are 25 people that are furious Reba McIntyre was picked to sing the national anthem. They just are. Because that's where you go to vent, to share any opinion that you have, right? I guarantee you there are 25 people really mad that Reba McIntyre got that, uh, got that assignment. Yet they aren't very representative of the larger nation. Most people are going to be like you and me. They're not really going to care who sings the national anthem. That is like 80% of people out there. And then probably 15% are going to be like, oh, I kind of like Reba McIntyre. 5% of people are going to be like, I really don't like the Reba McIntyre selection. Roughly speaking, that's the way that I would classify this. If you use that 5% as if it is a representative sample of people that are upset, you can justify the premise of any article you want to write. And that's what I see happen very often in the world of sports media. People who are ostensibly straight news reporters, right? They're just trying to report what the news is. They're not in the opinion business. Will go seek out opinions they like or respect or want to give more of attention to. And they treat those opinions as if they are a representative sample. And then they ask a question of someone in prominence, hey, there are lots of people online that are upset about X. Why are you doing this? Uh, Explain yourself. That is such a huge trick that so many people in media do when it isn't representative of what the nation actually thinks. But you can find people who have opinions on anything under the sun I give credit to Sean Strickland for the way that he responded on this story. Some of you are going to say, how in the world, Clay, are you talking about airline mergers now? Because I'm about to tell you something about Spirit and JetBlue. I'm fired up about this. Um, okay. Uh, so let me just give you a, t- tell you what was going on. JetBlue decided it was going to buy Spirit and it was going to merge the airlines together, and it would create the fifth largest airline. There's still a lot of other big airlines, American, Southwest, United, and Delta. I'm not sure in what order. Those are the four biggest airlines in America. United, uh, uh, Southwest, American, and Delta. Fifth biggest would have become the merger between JetBlue and uh, Spirit. And this was going to be evidently very well-received merger, Stock price was up. Spirit was very well, uh, shareholders being very well compensated for, uh, for their uh, sign-on here for the purchase. The Biden administration, which doesn't understand basic business, said, no, this shouldn't be allowed to happen. This is going to be an antitrust violation. It's going to hurt consumers. I'm sorry. American, Southwest, Delta, United, all four way bigger If anything, this would allow JetBlue to compete with those four big guys better than it does right now. Biden administration said it is not true. They went to a bench trial, 
a judge issued an opinion and did not allow the merger to happen. And now Spirit stock has collapsed. And there's the possibility that Spirit may have to enter into bankruptcy. Hey, Clay Travis here. We'll be right back. But first, here's a word. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, I'm sorry. How can one judge disallow a merger like this and potentially send a company into bankruptcy? If you say this is an antitrust violation, in your opinion, and the market reacts and pushes Spirit Airlines in the direction of bankruptcy after your opinion, you are wrong. I'm sorry, Judge. You got this one wrong. Because there was an accurate value being placed on Spirit according to JetBlue's valuation model. JetBlue was going to create a merger and create the fifth largest airline. By the way, I don't have stock in JetBlue. I don't have stock in uh, in uh, uh, Spirit. I have flown both airlines, right? I've probably flown every airline out there. Uh, I've flown both airlines before. Don't have any particular affinity for either, okay? I fly Southwest almost everywhere. I Honestly, by and large, I'm now on the exact extremes. I either fly Southwest Airlines or I fly private. It's important to keep the edges uh, locked in. Most of the time, I either fly now Southwest Airlines or I fly private. I live in Nashville. I can go lots of places on Southwest. If you live in Nashville and you fly Southwest all the time, probably is a decent chance that you've seen me on a Southwest airline. Humble brag, I have, I think now, 3 million Southwest Airlines points. I sit, I'm always in the A boarding group. I sit right up at the front of the airplane uh, so I can get right off. I'm almost always traveling for work. I want to be at the front of the airplane. I want to hop off. I want to be able to go straight to work. You'll see me a lot in Nashville. But this is a failure of the Biden administration to understand basic business and also of this judge who made a clearly awful choice in not allowing the merger to take place and now the company might go bankrupt. How does the consumer benefit there? You argued that there is an antitrust uh, issue here and you're so wrong that the company might now go bankrupt. This should be getting more attention than it actually is. Uh, Speaking of getting more attention than it actually should, uh, it's not getting enough. Tuesday is the New Hampshire primary. Uh, Looks like Donald Trump is going to win in New Hampshire. This thing is over. Trump's going to be the nominee. It would be uh, something awful would have to happen health-wise or a Supreme Court judge, uh, justices would have to do something crazy in order for Trump not to be the nominee. Okay, let's start here. So as you break this down, um, Joe Biden, there is not really going to be a traditional primary in New Hampshire, and there was not a Democrat caucus either in Iowa. Why? 
because Joe Biden was soundly rejected by the people of Iowa and New Hampshire and decided to change the entire mechanism by which the Democrat Party selects a nominee. Remember, Barack Obama became the nominee for Democrats and was elected president of the United States based to a large degree on his appeal in the state of Iowa. Obama went to Iowa and he won the Iowa caucuses, upset Hillary Clinton. And then long uh, primary battle, managed to also win the primary battle head-to-head against Hillary Clinton. It was an incredible win, phenomenal campaign, 2008 Obama. It's the only election in the 21st century that both sides acknowledged. One side won, Obama beat McCain. Okay, the reason why I bring this up, If you look in Iowa, they voted Joe Biden fifth. In New Hampshire, I was looking this up, Joe Biden got, uh, sorry, Joe Biden came in fourth, I believe it was, in uh, Iowa, fifth in New Hampshire. He got only 8.4% of the vote. Joe Biden, you may have forgotten, in 2020, uh, Mayor Pete won Iowa and Bernie Sanders won New Hampshire. And there was a lot of talk about, oh my goodness, who's going to be the nominee? Is Bernie Sanders going to be the choice? And then James Clyburn in South Carolina came out and said, Biden's the guy. Black voters showed up, supported Joe Biden, kicked Bernie Sanders to the curb. It was Joe Biden's party from that point forward. Reason why I bring this up, Joe Biden did away with Iowa and New Hampshire because the voters that knew him best rejected him the most soundly. And in a fit of bitterness, he claimed that those states were not diverse enough and decided to put South Carolina as the new first primary for Democrats. And that's the one he's going to compete in where the rig job is already in effect. I just want to point this out. Joe Biden claims that he cares a great deal about democracy. He says, in fact, that our sacred democracy is in danger. And that's why he ran in 2020. And that's why he is running in 2024 again to try to beat Trump. But think about what Biden has done. He has eliminated the most democratic process by which the Democrat Party selects a nominee, one that, while you may not like the race involved, actually launched Barack Obama's entire political career by winning in Iowa. He has followed that up by doing away with New Hampshire. Again, generations of voters in Iowa and New Hampshire, have done a pretty good job of giving all the candidates a a look over and deciding who they like the most. Did away with it because they didn't like Joe Biden and he wanted to protect himself from an attack in the event that he was challenged by a serious contender in the Iowa and New Hampshire early ballot states. Replaced it with South Carolina where he has the rig job in effect. That's very anti-democratic. Simultaneously, Joe Biden has said, I'm going to try to put Donald Trump in prison, the Department of Justice that he heads, in prison for the rest of his life, and his party in both Maine and Colorado has tried to keep Donald Trump from even being able to appear on the ballot. So he has rigged the DNC race. He has uh, gone out and tried to put his chief political adversary in prison and remove him from the ballot. 
yet he claims that he cares about Democrat institutions. And this is not even getting into the rig job that happened in 2020 in Joe Biden's favor. This is not difficult stuff to see. How many other people in media have you even seen connect the choice that was made in Iowa, the choice that was made in New Hampshire, the erasure of the will of the voters there, and the rig job to protect Joe Biden and his nomination by starting in South Carolina, where James Clyburn can tell people to vote however he wants. And the same thing is going on when he tries to keep his chief political opponent, Donald Trump, off the ballot and also simultaneously is trying to put him in prison for the rest of his life. And you're the defender of democracy? I'm sorry, as they used to say, and still probably do say in the South, that dog don't hunt. Have you seen uh, what's going on with EVs? Full disclosure, I've got two big gas-guzzling SUVs. I am destroying the planet. Uh, I have got a Range Rover and I've got an Escalade. All right, those are the two cars that we have in the Travis household. Um, I actually toyed around with the idea of getting an electric vehicle because I thought the Tesla was pretty cool and I live in Nashville where typically it is not very cold. Have you heard about these awful stories of people who cannot get their electric vehicles charged because of all of the issues with cold weather? Electric vehicles, I think, work pretty well if you live in a warm place and the weather is not a major issue. But I was reading this morning, and evidently it's become a major issue. Some of you may be experiencing it yourself. Trying to get an electric vehicle charged. If you live in an apartment, if you live in a condo, if you don't have a garage with your own charging portal, it's become a massive issue. People are having to stand in line for hours in some places in the freezing cold to be able to get their electric vehicles charged. That sounds miserable to me. I, I, again, I'm supposed to be in Knoxville this weekend for the Tennessee-Alabama basketball game. I think I'm going to go. Uh, we'll have to wait and see how the weather shakes out and how the roads are and everything else, but I think I'm going to go. I don't have to worry about having enough gas to be able to get to Knoxville. If I had an electric vehicle... I would have to be a little bit nervous about my charge status and I'd have to find somewhere to charge it in order to drive to Knoxville and turn around and drive back. Instead, I can pull right into a gas station, I can fill up my car as needed, and I never have to worry about it taking me more than five or ten minutes to hop right off the interstate and fill up uh, the gas tank. Again, I'm not opposed to people who want to go get their electric vehicles, but convenience is the number one thing that matters the most to me in almost all facets of life. Certainly things I'm not obsessed about. I'm not an obsessive car guy. Like, I don't know much about cars. I don't know how to fix cars. Like, I'm not an engineer. They aren't, I'm not that intrigued by a car. I just want it to start when I twist the, uh, when I push the engine or turn the, uh, the, the, the key. Um, I don't get it. But I would be furious if I were one of these people in sub-zero temperatures trying to line up, I think the electric vehicle infatuation is going to, if it hasn't already, peaked and begin its decline because of issues like these that people run into. Um, I want to mention this, too, because there's not that many people actually discussing it. Do you see the Department of Justice and the FBI, as much as I trust them, not a lot, right, it took them four years nearly 
they finally come out and said, yeah, the whole Hunter Biden laptop was 100% real. There's almost no one in media following up with all those 51 intelligence agents. Do you guys remember all those people who came out and said, oh, this laptop has all the hallmarks of Russian disinformation and tried to provide cover for Joe Biden when anyone who looked at the contents of this laptop knew it would have been virtually impossible to fake and knew it was real, as the New York Post reported, from the moment this story went out in October of 2020. We're now sitting, the lap, uh, the FBI's had this laptop since 2019, I believe it is. And finally, the Department of Justice has come out and said, yeah, the laptop's 100% real. Almost zero coverage. Can you imagine if this were Trump? 51 intelligence agents say it's not real. Why, why do those 51 intelligence agents still have security clearance? If they're willing to lie for Joe Biden to be elected president, I don't think they should be getting intelligence clearances. I don't think they should be getting briefings. No one who is employed by the Biden administration now that was involved in any way in signing their name to this letter should still be able to be employed. They should all be impeached. They are liars. They lied to protect Joe Biden. We know that they lied, and they've had no consequences. In fact, the opposite of consequences, they've actually been rewarded for their lies because some of them got direct jobs by taxpayer dollars in the Biden administration. Should be a bigger story than it is. I'm surprised that it isn't a bigger story, uh, and frankly, it's indefensible how pathetic the media coverage has been of this story and the continued fallout surrounding it. All right, love all of you guys. I'll be live again tomorrow. Uh, Appreciate all of you. Hope you are having fantastic, likely frigid if you're anywhere around me uh, at times. Kids are going to be out, it looks like, all week. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. I am Clay Travis. This has been Outkick the Show. I'll be back. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show tomorrow, as well as Outkick the Show tomorrow. Gambling picks are up on Outkick. As always, DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. And thank all of you for being fans of Outkick and consuming our content. See you guys.